This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to the latest episode of The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and uh, subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. This episode is a bonus episode devoted to True Detective Season 2. Me and uh, my co-host Tiny talk about it at length. This is a little... um, unorthodox in terms of the way that we recorded it. It was originally intended to be a potpourri, potpourri section for OV-122, the previous episode, uh, but ended up being a lot longer, and I've decided to cut it into, into its own bonus episode. So I'm going to leave you to it, and it'll uh, we'll join the bonus episode discussion of True Detective in progress. Thanks for listening. I do. I have been getting a lot of writing done for the site and all that. That's good. Like I have started today. I officially started converting my notes from anthology and anthologypod.com. I think in case I use this for the episode, um, <laughs> uh, my notes for each episode, I've been kind of converting them to, uh, episode reviews oh, Okay. with the intention of contacting websites and being like, Hey, I have this podcast. I'm writing these reviews to coincide with them. If you want to post them on your site, go right ahead. Or whatever, if you have a freelance mm. thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. That way to just kind of get the word out. And then if I get them onto, if I reach a deal with a site that gets that has more reach than Obsessive Viewer, mm-hmm. then people could find the podcast and then people could listen to the promos on the podcast for Obsessive Viewer and then check out Obsessive Viewer. Nice. It's all connected. <laughs> awesome. Much like season two of True Detective. Oh. Ha, transition. Which is not an accurate statement it's not because there was a lot of loose ends and well dropped storylines in that season yeah yeah it was it was first of all i don't know how i'm gonna edit this together or anything but basically for those listening if if you're listening to the episode obviously we just finished our 2015 uh summer movie wrap-up and 2015 movies so far best of list i don't know how i'm gonna title this episode yeah it's a hodgepodge of titles yeah yeah yeah, I will totally use that for it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> yes. So, True Detective Season 2. You know, we haven't really talked about it that much. We haven't. Yeah. For good reason, I think. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been kind of hard on it all season. If you guys follow me on Twitter, at Obsessive Viewer, it's... I've been kind of tweeting these like one-off little things whenever I start an episode. I'd just be like, this is the main focus of the entire season for me has been just, was just, uh, let, let's not spoil it or anything, but let's just say that the, the, the conceit of the, epi- of the season, the, the show itself, it's an anthology show that second season has a new cast, new, new case, all that stuff. Kind of, I don't know. It, uh, I feel like in, by expanding the roles of the central characters, this season they had three three detectives 
and one gangster character played by Vince Vaughn. So you essentially have four storylines competing, whereas in season one, it was very kind of confined to uh, Rust Cole and Marty um, and their, their, I guess, the duality of, of their storylines in the past and present. Mm-hmm. And I feel like by by having so many central characters in one season, it kind of just made it a really big slog to go through. Um, I felt like the the season as a whole was competing with developing these characters in in meaningful ways, and that made the overarching storyline of the crime that they were investigating that that brought them together and everything and that connected them. I think that that fell by the wayside in the storytelling. I thought that it was very just disengaging for me. I, I, I don't know. Could you even, how did you feel about the season overall? Uh, it, it was just, I want to use the word mediocre, mm-hmm. but I think it was a little better than that. I, I mean, it, it was ultimately very disappointing because not very disappointing, but somewhat disappointing because I didn't have really high hopes for it really? because the first season was just bordered on perfect so much that it was like, there's just no way they're going to match it in the second season. And right. I, I just, I didn't think they were going to. Um, and I thought they might get a little closer, but I was willing to cut them a ton of slack. Um, but I, all, I gave them all my slack within the first couple episodes, probably <laughs> maybe three or four, um, episodes. in, I was like, yeah, that this, this season's probably a failure unless something catastrophic happens in the last four episodes, which I don't, not, nothing catastrophic really happened in the whole season, if you ask me. I right. Mean, everything was pretty predictable, and mm-hmm. um, or it was just the, all almost all of the shock value from the first season about these horrendous things you see this this horrendous side of human nature that you see mm-hmm. in the first season that's that was truly shocking and really stuck with you and and sat with you and 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 just seeped in into your your subconscious in disturbing ways and just like really got to you mentally was I would say entirely absent from this second season. Um, yeah. They tried to go for some shocking things. Um, I don't want to list off examples because I don't want to spoil anything. Right. Um, they tried to go for some shocking things, but none, none of it struck the same chord and none of it really, really hit the same notes as the first season. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the biggest failure of, of the show is that they couldn't, they, they, they maintained None of the momentum from the first season. I agree completely. It was a kind of, in terms of in terms of the, the way that the first season delved into the pits of humanity and and stuff like that and the kind of darker side. What made what made the first season so novel and so so well executed was that the entire season was just about how this this case and this this. Uh, descent into the madness of man basically mm-hmm. affected these two characters and 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 how it re- how it how their inner demons were reflected in this in this really dark story of of humanity human evil basically mm-hmm. and I mean, season two, I can appreciate that they tried, they, they wanted to distance themselves, distance themselves from that. Nick Pizzolatto probably wanted to just strike a different chord and, and do something that was its own, its own thing. Mm-hmm. And in that case, he did, he did achieve that. It just wasn't engaging for me. It, yeah. the entire season was based on 
these damaged characters and they they fumbled they fumbled around to develop each one's different demons and and everything like that but there was no real context for that to to really flesh out those those inner demons it was just basically just they were telling the telling us telling us what's what's troubling these characters and then they also had a job to do to to figure out the corruption and the and the crime mm-hmm. and it just got really convoluted also i i mean I, I tweeted this that it it's it's probably as much as much a failure on me as a viewer and a failure on them as storytellers but it reached a point like about uh before the penultimate episode that Honestly, like watching the watching the recaps before the episodes on HBO Go, that in itself was tedious because I, yeah, I, it's like I I I wouldn't want to speak too too. I don't want to I don't want to come across as having too much of a uh, of a handle on the story. I don't want to I don't want to overstep my bounds as a as a critic of the season because I feel like there was a certain point throughout the season where. I like I I hesitate to say that I mentally checked out but it became a point it it reached a point where I was I was just losing interest in fighting to to put together this this really convoluted plot line that didn't wasn't engaging me um in any meaningful way it became it didn't it became just slow and tedious throughout the entire season and I I hate to say that about it because it's just it's I mean, it's a it's a high quality show in terms of filmmaking, and um, I wouldn't even say pacing, but just in in the storytelling of it. Like there are certain set pieces that are really well done, mm-hmm. but it just it didn't have that emotional context for me. I couldn't latch on to anything. Yeah, and I think that the the reason you couldn't is because the characters were so far separated from the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have these these four main characters in uh, Rachel McAdams, Colin Farrell, Taylor Kitsch, and uh, Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they're all all four of them are just so far separated from the central thread of the story, mm-hmm. which is about a murder. Yeah, there, there's a murder that occurs, and and that's the thread of the story. But the only reason the only reason that the three of the characters are connected to it is because. They're cops. It's their yeah. jo- like it's, it's just their job. They're assigned and, to the detail of it, right? And, and it seems like all three of those people don't get a lot out of their jobs, with the exception of Rachel McAdams, because she she was kind of a. I think she was the kind of person who was most like Rust Cole and Marty Hart. Marty Hart, yeah. Marty Hart from the first season, because those guys actually, you know, they embrace the lifestyle and, and the fact that they're, you know. It's not just a job; it's a lifestyle, and it's like yeah. a, it's 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 a calling. It's something that you do because you have to do it, not because you get paid to do it. Mm-hmm. I think she was the only example of that of those three of the three detectives we got this year. Um, and then, uh, you know, the character of Frank um, Vince Vaughn was connected to the story just because it hurt him ten that it hurt him financially. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way he was connected to this centralized murder mm-hmm. and, and and there were there were these again i'm not going to spoil anything but there are these two characters who turned out to be hugely pivotal in this conspiracy murder this murder in this conspiracy and we barely saw any of them up until the final episode yeah and they just they, well yeah yeah they yeah. should have been they should have been the main characters really 
Yeah. In, in the end. But in the, terms the sh- of their storyline, yeah. In terms of this story, but the show is called True Detective, so it has to be about the right. the cops, you know. It, it the, I think what what they achieved in this season is that they had some decent characters. Um, I think on some other television shows, they'd be really good characters. Yeah. But com- again, compared to Russ Cole and Marty Hart from the first season, mm-hmm. they just, they, they didn't, they never quite got there. Um, you know, I, I feel like what those two characters in the first season, first season wrestled with is that their jobs and the, the case in particular consumed really, them. it consumed them and it, and it was, it was pivotal to their, their personal philosophies on everything, essentially. Yeah. You know, there was so much philosophy in the first season mm-hmm. and it was fantastically done. Um, and it was, it was integral to, to the plot. But in this, this season, there was almost, there was very little of that, hardly any of that. Um, and, and we just, we just got these characters that had their own personal demons that just didn't, I, I don't think they got much or anything at all really out of being involved with this case. That, right, that influenced their lives. So yeah, th- there 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 was some decent character building. I I actually liked the characters a little bit, and I thought some of the acting was really good. I actually mm-hmm. liked Colin Farrell was terrific. Oh my god, he was amazing. I mean, he was just so good this whole season. Yeah. Taylor Kitsch probably one of his better performances. Probably, I would um, give it to Battleship probably, but um. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I liked Rachel McAdams. She did well, and Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. It was great to see him doing drama. Yeah, um, wh- yeah, and I mean. It was just the the writing was just so it it wasn't it wasn't even the writing there was some good dialogue mm-hmm. there were some good dialogue scenes back and forth scenes but it was just the story was just a thread of a story it yeah. was just so it was meager well I'll kind of run off what what you said and uh, you're right that it, the case and and the the crime of it didn't consume them it just merely brought them together and I mean you can mm-hmm. argue that at its at its finer moments there the darkness that consumed these characters kind of played off of each other's demons. And yeah. that maybe the most, the most character growth we got out of it is this not codependency of it, but this kind of com- camaraderie that was bur- built out of these, that it, these separate um, demons and, and stuff like that, which I mean, I can kind of get on board with that, but it's also like, I don't think that the show needed to have, um, needed to have like like big uh, philosophical debates or like season one yeah, or anything like that's that. that's true, yeah. But I think you really tapped into probably what the main problem that I had with the season was that I didn't even realize it was that this case had had no bearing on their on their inner struggles. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can excuse um I can excuse a a, a disengaging story and in in light of of really good character development, I mean, honestly, in season one, there were times where I kind of lost the the inner plot, the the plot that was going on. I was kind of lost, but I was really enthralled with how these characters were responding to it. Here, mm-hmm. here, it's just merely just a plot device to get them together. I mean, they yeah. have the over the overwhelming conspiracy, and they have all, like all these different moving pieces to it, but it's all. It's all just kind of just there. It's it's kind of like, like you said with with Frank, he is more tied to the to the to the murder that ha- that set off the entire season. But that's dumped after like two episodes. Yeah, it becomes about his about it, it was it started out as him trying to become legit and everything and then and then getting kind of screwed over financially from from in regards to this murder mm-hmm. and then it became him getting sucked back in and and 
having to build something up with that. And it's just like the murder itself and his ties to the murder just kind of disappeared. And then, yeah. And then we had this whole thread with him doing all of these dealings and stuff that wasn't really connected to the case or anything like that. Yeah. It was just more, more character, more, more story for the character to eat up time and everything. And it Uh was just, it became strenuous to keep track of, okay, this is what Frank's doing. This is the deals that he's making. This is the stuff that he's doing. That's not, it's, it's tangentially related to the murder and everything, but then we have Taylor Kitsch doing this. We have Rachel McAdams doing this. We have Colin Farrell doing this and everything like that. And it just became just so strenuous on, on the viewer. And I, I, like I told you privately when we were chatting, uh, earlier today, I kind of feel like it's, um, Maybe it'll, maybe I'll find something to latch onto a little better, um, when we, when, whenever I get around to revisiting it. But I'm not going to pick up the Blu ray anytime soon. Yeah. I don't think that I'm going to, even then, I, I will still watch it. I'll, if I end up watching it again, I will watch it knowing the, knowing the outcome and knowing the end of the character arcs and everything. But I will have that in the back of my head as like, okay, so. None of the, like, if I can latch onto the story and stuff like that, it's not going to be because it's an engaging story. It's because I don't have to worry. I, I don't have to juggle the character development with the story. And it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, all, all of the storylines. There's the main story, and there's, you know, there's always ancillary, you know, uh, uh, subtext stories. They were either not connected at all. Or they were tangentially connected, or just connected by a tiny string. That's it. Everything mm-hmm. was just so spread out, and just it really just it was so so unsatisfying, and just and yeah. just just so I can't even can't even articulate it very well. Right. I don't know. I, I mean, I I would almost say it lacked a vision, and I think it kind of. I think I think Nick Pizzolatto had Nick Pizzolatto had a vision for it but i think he needed help with it i just think there yeah. was too much i think he needed he needed his kerry fukunaga from the first season which is really funny because he in the first season he wrote the entire first season himself right like, completely and it, kind of in a vacuum and it, it took him a while and that was one of my one of my main concerns going into season two was that he was going to be working under confined um a, conf- a confined TV schedule, and he's going to be working with other writers and a stuff like that. And, yeah. yeah, and I felt like it could have suffered for it, and I feel like it did. I don't yeah. know if it was that necessarily, but I don't know. It, it's it's definitely a problem. I, yeah. I will say that visually it was it was stunning. It I, was, yeah. I, I really liked the the style. Like It, it was filmed like a, a, a film. Like Every mm-hmm. episode had that had that kind of scope and the wide shots all those shots of the freeways um, it was very cinematic very cinematic yeah but it just it, it didn't have the the punch mm-hmm. of it or the nuance of in the story and, and i really respected respected the decision to remove to change the setting so drastically because yeah. i feel like that was so, that had so much of the style mm-hmm. of that first season was the you know the south the deep yeah. south that that has it's so characteristic and just so you know exactly what you're looking at right. you know you're not you don't question at all that you're in the deep south and to to move it so so drastically to california mm-hmm. i thought that was a bold choice and i think that was it could have been a really great setting for mm-hmm. 
a terrific story. I mean, how many, yeah. how many awesome stories, how many awesome movies take place in California, you know? Right. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's California. Um, mm-hmm. but it, I, I really respected that at the, at the beginning, but I feel like they kind of dropped that. They didn't really, they didn't respect that boldness, I guess, because the decision was bold, but what they did with it wasn't bold at all. Right. Yeah. It was very, I hesitate to say anything specific because I don't want to get in spoilers and mm-hmm. maybe if we have time we can do a quick spoiler section, but yeah. I don't know. But um, I kind of, I don't know, that would probably be a spoiler. But okay, so there were several like big, big moments this season that, that were kind of like there were a couple big action set pieces mm-hmm. and there were a couple of big character uh, uh, character moments. Mm-hmm. And the mark of the show, or or how I felt about the show, is that like none of that really got me that well. Like, there's a there's a way that the second the the way that the second episode ends actually just just pissed me off. Like, yeah, I got like really kind of angry, and then I had this weird moment where at the start of the third episode, when you kind of get the conclusion of that of that moment. I got even more angry because it's so it was so sloppily told and such a such a way to tease the tease the viewer in a way that didn't feel like the storytelling that I felt it didn't feel up to par with the storytelling of the first season. It felt like something out of a network TV show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and it also felt derivative of of one of my more favorite uh 90s crime movies. Uh, that'd probably be spoiling it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. but it, it kind of it felt derivative, and then they kind of just took it away. It, it was just, ugh, I don't know. I didn't like that. And then, uh, like that, I will say that the gunfight at the end of uh, episode four was really was really thrilling. Um, mm-hmm. and and I I immediately knowing that it was a big action set piece that they were doing, I immediately divorced it from uh the the season one end of episode four, actually yeah. uh, the end of the episode who goes there. That is still one of the just best sequences I've seen on, on television. Yeah, me too. So I immediately divorced it from that. And I, I kind of looked at it as on its own. And I mean, it was, it was shot. Well, it was really thrilling and everything, but it just kind of had this emptiness of, okay, I kind of don't, I can't, I'm not sure how we got to this point and where yeah. we're going, for, we're going forward. And it was ultimately superfluous, really. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't really mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it was, it was just a very meaningless, meaningless season. Yeah. It was, it was a bummer. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I want to kind of give a, a shout out to a podcast called Film Schlubs that they, they did instant, instant reviews of episodes like the night that they aired. They basically watched the episode and then about, like later that night they basically got on and talked about it and talked through it and they like uh one of the hosts brian like he he kind of knew all of it all of this information like he retained a lot of the information of the plot and everything and like i watched it or i listened to all of them after i watched the finale and i was like man i wish i would have wa- listened to all of these in the lead up to the finale just <laughs> so i would have more of an understanding of what was at stake and what was going on mm, okay and they kind of i think it was in the and the second to last episode that they that they reviewed in this podcast, it's again, it's called Film Schlubs. Uh, Film Schlubs, it's a S C H L U B S. Um, really good podcast. You should check it out. But anyway, um, they asked the question if if Nick Pizzolatto decides to make a third season because 
apparently HBO has all, like said like, hey, we're, we'll gladly do a season three if you're up for it. Hmm. And so it's just basically up to Nick Pizzolatto. Mm-hmm. Do you think there should be a third season? I really do. Nice. I really, I mean, I, I don't doubt it for a second. And the reason, you know, is because that's how good the first season was. <laughs> it's just so unbelievably good. Um, you and I really briefly talked about this mm-hmm. on, uh, on, on Facebook Messenger earlier today, but mm-hmm. I think, I think we need a third season because it'll, it'll be the true test of, I mean, really, I hate to put it all on Nick Pizzolatto's shoulders, but I think it really is. Mm-hmm. It'll be his true test. You know, if he if he comes out with something, he doesn't need to he doesn't need to do a repeat of season one. He doesn't need to be right. that amazing. He just needs to put out something pretty good. Yeah. And if he does, I think he will prove that you know he just had to find his way into television. I mean, right? He, he he's established himself as a quality storyteller. He's got some good novels out there. Uh, I've only read one of them, but. Um, He's a quality storyteller, but I think he has to do things with his own time. You know, everyone has their own process about how they create stories, about how they do their art, essentially. And mm-hmm. television is a really difficult medium to to tell stories. It's it's hard to do, you know. Um, and so I I wouldn't blame him if he couldn't churn out another season one um, or something close to it. Uh, I, I wouldn't blame him, but I think you know if he continues down this path of trying to be a showrunner and a you know someone who can write an entire season in a year or you know five six months however long it takes um he needs to realize that that's not in his wheelhouse and that's not right. that's not where his strengths lie and he should move on to a different medium whether it's movies or uh i don't know st- uh, just more novels or, mm-hmm. or 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 whatever I, I think he needs to realize that if he gets this third season and he turns out something like this again yeah, um, I, I think I just think I, we we need it for the test. We, mm-hmm. He needs that test, I think. He, need, yeah, I I feel like, and they they brought it up on on film schlub, film schlubs. Uh, they actually articulated it really well that Nick Pizzolatto, he's not he's his work like even even in the context of this season not being that satisfying overall. He's still he's st- his work is still unlike anything we've seen on television. Yeah, or we're seeing on television. So. I think on that merit alone, he deserves to to or he should do a third season. Right. But I think the problem is that my hope is that he will do a third season and then kind of get back to the quality that we that we uh, that we that he had in season one. Um, Maybe if that if that means he needs to take a break and and kind of just release that release the season a little bit later so he has more time, or if season two was just a. transitional period to kind of get the mm-hmm. reins of of what what uh confined tv schedule storytelling kind of kind of the what a true story what a what a traditional television production is like maybe season two will just go down as growing pains and we'll get consistent work out of him yeah at least for one more season or maybe two more i don't know but um right i do think that there needs to be a third season because he needs to kind of i would hate for True Detective to just be a a two season, two season beast that a burnout. With, yeah, with with yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, and with such a such a drastic such a drastic shift in quality, I, I, it would go down as a as a disappointment. I I, I would yeah. hate to see that. I would Me love too. to see him kind of come back and do something wow us in some way right i i don't think this season was bad that's right that's something i should 
I should articulate is that I don't think it, I don't think it was bad, but it just just compared to the first season, it was just the first season was just like I said, borderline perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in comparison to that, and then just you know just watching it as a, as a television fan, um, it was just it was just okay. I mean, there mm-hmm. there was some good things there. There certainly dozens and dozens of worse things on television than yeah. in the second season of True Detective. Um, it's just I think I think they just they just established something with that first season that mm-hmm. this is they kind of established that like while this show's on the air it's going to be the best if not one of the best shows you'll ever see mm-hmm. and they really did not live up to that in the second season right so. and and I do want to say that I I personally I didn't judge season two against season one and and I think that yeah. it I don't want to give the I don't know about you but I don't want to give the impression that we're kind of like they, it's an anthology show, so it's it's they're they're very uh, standalone things. So right. it's sure season two kind of fell under the the burden of of the of the acclaim of the first season, but I mean, even, like I actively watched season two without without having Rust Cole and and Marty Hart in mind, and and not really not really thinking about what was going on in the first season. And even that failed me considerably. Um, so I, I don't know. I just don't want to, I just don't want people to think that we're judging it against this. I think it would be unfair to judge this season of television against something that was of such high quality, even if it is the same, the same creative force and, and, and stuff like that. I agree, but I agree, and you're totally right. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But I did it. I I, I couldn't <laughs> help but do it. I really. It's you know. It's it's absolutely a bias. It's just bias mm-hmm. on 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 my part. Um, I'll admit that wholeheartedly. Um, but I, I, I still tuned in every single week. Whole Marty heartedly. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, ruined it. Ruined it all. <laughs> Let's go home. So you turned in every week. <laughs> I, t- I you tu- turned in. <laughs> I tuned in every week with a, at least some semblance of an, of anticipation because there was there was potential there every week. Yeah. There's potential for something awesome to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't I don't think anything from this season was awesome. But there were some things that were like that was kind of good, right? And that was that was about it. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess let's go ahead and do a quick spoiler thing. We don't have to go like in depth with every nuance of the show, but mm-hmm. let's just do like a brief spoiler about this uh, finale because I have a couple points I want to make about it. Okay. Um, so I'll cut it here and um and put this at the end of the outro that you're about to hear. It'll be the spoiler section. Join the Obsessive Viewer podcast on October 16th, 2015 at the Irving Theater in Indianapolis for The Obsessive Viewer Presents Shocktober in Irvington Part 2. It's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local artists J.P. Leck and Snapshot Productions. There will be giveaways, raffles, interviews with the filmmakers, and so much more. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com for more details. And prepare to be shocked. The finale, I felt like there was a... So I don't know if this is fair of me to say of of Nick Pizzolatto or anything, but did you notice that the finale... Um, like okay, if you if you think of where all the characters ended up in the finale, and then remember that one of the biggest and most vocal things about season one 
was that the women in the show were awful and, mm-hmm. and horribly written. It seems a little too convenient that literally every woman in the show came out, like, survived, came out on top, came out fine. Like, I mean, um, Rachel McAdams, uh, 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 Frank's wife, mm-hmm. the, the, the girl of the twin of the, of the yeah. two. Like, it just seemed kind of, kind of like, okay, you guys can't really complain now, cause, you know, like, it seemed like they were just, like, he was, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it, it kind of felt to me like, okay, this is a little, we get it. We get it. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you want to make sure that, um, there's no, no feminist backlash on this, on the show. You know, I'm pretty sure that did play a factor. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think we'd be crazy to say that it didn't. Um, and, and, you know, of the characters who met their demise, uh, the three male, the three main male characters all died. Yeah. Um, of those three, I think two of them were completely, completely what should have happened. Uh, I think I think Frank and mm-hmm. Velcoro should have died. Yes, because I... they were both just they they were just too like Frank just was trying to get away from his demons so badly and just failing at it so miserably that there was just he he had no business making it through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Velcoro was just he was just flashing the pan from the get go. It was like this guy does not have. He does not lead a lifestyle that is conducive to long life. It's like he's <laughs> he's gonna he's just betraying people left and right, and he's I don't know he's just he's not he's just not cut out. Someone's gonna kill this guy. That's yeah. all there is to it. And I was like, it's, it's gonna happen. But but man, Woodrow mm-hmm. just seemed he was such collateral damage. It was I really I really felt bad when he got killed. I did too, and I thought that that was. No pun intended. I thought that that was executed very well. I I agree. It was done well. Yeah. But you know, of of those characters, I think he he kind of earned the right to survive. I mm-hmm. guess if you will. Um. He I I wanted to see him survive. I I didn't necessarily foresee him dying, but he was just unfortunate collateral damage yeah. in this. Would you say that you're? Are you saying that you're disappointed to? You're disappointed in the story storytelling of him dying and the other two dying as well? Or are you? Were you satisfied with them dying and then just wish that and from a storytelling perspective that that he would have survived, or are you saying that it's did it fit the confines of the story that they all died or it fit the confines of the story that they okay. all died, but I think two of them were gonna die those those characters die that's what happens <laughs> right. you know those kinds of characters get killed that's what happens and so yeah they're from the get go they're tragic figures yes yes mm-hmm. yeah but so so yeah i think I think that to me, that's what I focused on more than anything else. But I can I can completely understand why people are are, are upset with or kind of kind of calling BS on the fact that it was just the women that got out. I, yeah. I can I can totally understand that, but it did, it didn't bother me personally that much. Right. So. I, something that bothered me a lot about the finale specifically was that they telegraphed so much in the first the opening few, like half hour or so. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to kill off a character in the penultimate episode that you wanted to see survive. Like I'm, yeah. I was on board with Woodrow dying. I didn't, I didn't necessarily care cause I was so disengaged with the story, Yeah, but I enjoyed seeing that, that character arc come to that gruesome of an end. And it kind of built up this, this kind of, this dynamic in the, in the final episode that it kind of, it carried through well enough that it, it became 
more about survival. It really it really helped establish the stakes of what was that what was going to happen to the the remaining main characters mm-hmm. in the finale. But when it comes to the death of Frank and and Velcoro, I mean, you had that scene in the in the early part of the episode where Frank is talking to his wife, and they're they're having that really that really like oh yeah he's gonna die moment where he's where they're like where well, I'm gonna see you in two weeks wear a white dress and wear yeah. a white suit I'm like that's very ham fisted yeah, very ham fisted very yeah. very telegraphing of what's gonna happen and then <laughs> on that note I I. I I did like the way that he died. I, I guess <sighs> somewhat. It, well, okay. I'll, I'll 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 revise that and say that I liked the final moments of his life because it became more of a metaphysical. It, it was like one of the only times the show tapped into a metaphysical thing. Like like in the in the in the first season was really built on um, Rust's weird perception of reality. Right, and I, I appreciated that. The lead up to that though was a little too casino, and isn't it casino? Where they, it, yeah, it yeah. was like it was really, really just not unique, and it True. came out of kind of nowhere. And I understand that it's it's uh, uh, harkens back to earlier in the season, and it's just a comeuppance from that. And it's kind of he kind of had it coming, but it's also like it just seemed like it they were they just wanted to get to from point a to point b and they figured this is the quickest way to do it or this is the this is the least difficult way to tell that story yeah yeah i thought it was just i thought it was so strange to show frank dragging his foot through the desert that way yeah. I, I i mean i liked the fact that they showed him not giving up and whatnot mm-hmm. and Again, he's a character who should have died, and I liked that. But just again, throwing in that that hallucinatory stuff, it, it was just like they were trying to tack on a couple of things to this guy's background and his character that I thought were already implied and didn't really need to be. The fact that he had an abusive father and that he had to, you know, he was kind of the 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 odd one out on the streets, if you will, growing mm. up in Southern California as a gangster, as a person in the criminal criminal world of Southern California, being a lanky white kid. Yeah, he was <laughs> the odd man out. Um, that 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 was just all implied. I don't think we really needed needed something so obvious and so on the nose, especially in that moment. Mm. I th- I think he, I I would have preferred to see him die a little more. Just a little more harshly. Just watch him fall to the <laughs> ground and just breathe his last. It would have been hard, but I, I think it would have been a lot more poignant than dragging it out over twenty minutes. I think it was more poignant than you're giving credit for. I think it was mm. more. I think it was more about him kind of coming face to face with his demons, like the the his insecurities as as a person, the things that led him to this lifestyle, and the things that kind of led him to this moment. Like they it came crashing down on him and i mean it, i felt like it was kind of a kind of a a nice bookend to the character that all of this all this work that he put in and all these things that he did were ultimately for naught and it's was more about him it, it was it was an interesting twist on a character confronting their their more personal demons in that he was being taunted by them as he's as he's dying and it was just a, a harsh reminder that he lo- he lost he his he didn't redeem himself 
he he wanted to, but it was it didn't it came it didn't come um, to the point where he could find peace in his in his death. It was more about you know these are the things that kept him kept him down throughout his entire life, and they're there with him at his death. It was very kind of a dark ending for the character. Um, yeah, that's how I felt about it. I mm. to each their own. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's obviously it's open to interpretation. Yeah. Um, um, I, just, I, th- I thought it was just kind of a, a double down, doubling down on things that were already implied, and I, sure. I, just, I didn't think it was really necessary. And I thought it, I thought it just drug it out unnecessarily. Fair enough. Dr- yeah. Drug it out like literally. Drug it out. Like yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> I thought they really blood trailed it out way too long. Yeah, that was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you took a stab at it, but you know. <laughs> but anyway. God. Velcoro, on the other hand, I. It was, you know, it, it was kind of funny because I, as I was watching it, I was like, as I, as I saw the wheels turning in his head that he's going to go see his kid and that's going to be his downfall and all that stuff. Yeah. I kind of thought like, you idiot, don't. You're like, yeah. like they said, you're, you're, um, enemy number one. They're going to have people on there. Like you're dead. Yeah. You're, this is you dying. And then I was like, you know, devil's advocate. I mean, I don't have a kid, but. Yeah. There was like that, the fatherhood aspect to that character, and and the fact that he lost custody and and kind of didn't contest custody and had, went through that whole ordeal of not knowing whether or not he was the actual father and wanting to make sure that the kid knew that he was his his father regardless of what a test is. He had this this entire arc. It made it made a lot of sense for him to just abandon, like just go to see him one last time. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it made, it made sense to me. I didn't, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to say that I liked it per se, but I, I wanted that character to make it out. Cause I feel like, like you said, he, he was a despicable character, but I feel like he was the one, he was the one character out of the bunch that really felt like they really wanted to better themselves. Oh yeah. He did a lot of redeeming in the last yeah. handful of episodes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, oh yeah. I, I think he, he went through so many, through, he he took so much action to redeem his his past actions, mm-hmm. um, but you know, there, there's just a certain point you reach a point in no return, and you ultimately right. have to pay for everything you did. So that's why I think the char- character had to die. But I I was I'm with you to an extent because I wanted to, I wanted to see him get out. Yeah, I wanted to see him you know embrace his child one last time and and have a decent existence with Annie. Rachel mm-hmm. McAdams character in Venezuela or whatever. Yeah. That that would have been satisfying and I wanted to see that. But like I said, at a certain point you just can't you just can't outrun your demons. Yeah. And and he literally could not outrun his demons. Right. <laughs> and I man, did I I just did not like any the the kind of I mean, okay, it was it was it was developed well the romance between uh uh ray and annie little forced it was it was in that final episode it was so for they had that moment where they almost said i'd love each love you to each other the romance was too much yeah i was like okay 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 you're getting a little clingy here guys should have been more admiration than romance or love More like more like excitement about uh, starting a life together something like that something 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 a little more Something more cathartic. Cathartic and organic to organic, to that. Yeah. It was more because I mean they had that. I was. It felt off when they almost said like "I love you" or I, I felt like that's yeah. what that was implying. But that was out of place. Yeah, and then and then having 
having the final scene, her being in Venezuela and giving all that information to the reporter and all that stuff, and then you, it's revealed that she, uh, it, uh, I assume that she gave birth to yeah. his, oh, his yeah. son. Mm-hmm. I was just like, really, really, because it seems like such a cliche. Like, okay, these two. These two tortured figures, they team up. They, they, they. There's a, there's a brief romance. They bang once, and then, and then he dies. But oh, it's okay because he's gonna live on through this, through this character. I mean, uh, I mean. <laughs> it, well, there's got to be some kind of good ending. Yeah. Something happy yeah. at the end. <laughs> right. But I mean, there doesn't have to be. But I think, I think as an audience, we earned it. Yeah, I, I, I agree to an extent. It just felt like, I mean. <laughs> spoilers for Pearl Harbor, but I mean, like, it kind of reminded me of the end of Pearl Harbor to an extent. I don't remember the end of Pearl Harbor. Oh, it's, uh, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, one of the, one of the, of the love triangle, one of them dies, but they have a kid and they name him after, after the uh, guy that died. Okay. Um, and I, when I watch, uh, when I watch an HBO original series, I don't want to be reminded of Pearl Harbor. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, I know we're, Mike is about to join us, uh, and we're gonna actually start the episode properly, but I do want to touch on this. I, we mentioned in the non-spoiler section of this that I had such a problem with the end of season, uh, end of episode two, um, yeah. because it was implied that, that Ray was gonna, that Ray was murdered in the house. Yeah. Um, and like by the end, at the end of the episode, I was like, there's, there's literally no way that he could be, he could survive. I don't understand. Yeah. And then they, and then, so I was pissed off about that because I was like, okay, um, okay, so so you just killed off one of the main characters. That's that's an interesting way to establish the what's at stake and everything. Mm-hmm. But you left so many things up in the air. You didn't. You didn't. It didn't feel like they were they were ending the story, the ending the character arc, and that felt off to me. And it reminded me of just it, it just it just felt sloppy and then yeah. when you when it's revealed in the opening of the of the third episode that he survived and it was rubber bullets yeah. i was like i was just like I, I that's so sloppy that's such yeah. that's such a that's such a cop out that's a cliffhanger it is it's it's I mean, just ugh, it was it was it was like a cliffhanger from a 1950s western serial yeah, absolutely. That's what if it was literally, it, and it just didn't. It was just so out of character for the show. It was absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't. And, I didn't. It didn't bug me as much as I think it bugged you. But mm-hmm. I was as I was watching, I was like, really? That's what you did? I I was. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, it, it. Yeah, and it it sucks that it happened so early in the season because it. I wouldn't say that it contributed to my overall feelings on the season, but it didn't help engross me in the story at all. Yeah, because it just felt so out of place and so. It made me mentally kind of regroup and, mm-hmm. and re-examine my feelings on the on the show, basically, in that moment. Yeah, it was just it was it was bothersome, right? Um, yeah, so I think that's about it, really. Mm-hmm. Talking about that, um, yeah, it's about as much analysis as we can crank out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we get we we covered a lot of ground though, so that was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so this is the end of the episode, essentially. You're going to hear... Well, actually, you just heard the outro since we're in spoilers, but I do want to mention, since I have you here, uh, check out my side project solo podcast, Anthology, at anthologypod.com. It's uh, 
a, a podcast exploring sci-fi anthology storytelling during TV's golden age, starting with The Twilight Zone. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. Cool. So, yeah. Have you been listening, Tiny? Not yet. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's real cool, Tiny. Um, I kind of want to watch the episodes and you then should. listen. You should, because I spoil the hell out of them. Yeah, I just don't have time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good so far. It's really... I'm I'm really enjoying myself. Nice. May have locked down a guest. Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The war was lost. The treaty signed. I was not caught across the line. I was not caught, though many tried. I live among you, well disguised. I had to leave my life behind. I dug some graves you'll never find. The stories told with facts and lies. I have a name. But never mind. I feel bad because Mike said, almost ready, got to restart. Plus, we just hit a deer. But he was in a frantic, uh, he, he spelled it D-E-A-R. So I just said, oh, deer, spelling it D-E-E-R. <laughs> you dick. I know. <laughs> Not to be insensitive or anything. Jeez. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. <laughs>